house this afternoon. Glory to God. I'm so excited to be in the house of the Lord. It was a beautiful morning when I opened up my eyes. The sun is out early. <laughs> and it was nice and cool. And I praise God because my AC didn't come on. So that means my bill is going to be just a little bit lower. <laughs> God is so good. Listen, you got to give God thanks for the sunny days. You got to give God thanks for the hot days. You got to give God thanks for the cold days. You got to give God thanks for the rainy days. Because the word says that everything that the Lord does is good. So if he's done it and he's permitted it, it's because it's good for you. Amen. I'm not the type of person that gets sad on a rainy day because I thank God for the rain. We need the rain. We need the rain. We need the sun. We need the warmth and the cool. It's all good. Amen. I'm so excited to share the word with you guys this morning. For those of you that don't know me, because I have a bad habit of never introducing myself, <laughs> my name is Jose Alicea, and I have the privilege of being part of the pastoral team of this house. Amen. I have the privilege of serving alongside amazing pastors like Pastor Gabby and, of course, Pastor Esther, our executive pastor. Pastor, come on, give it up for Pastor Esther. She leads us. She leads us with love, with warmth, and with sternness. <laughs> we, we praise God for Pastor Lewis and Pastor Maritza, my wife. We've got a whole team of pastors here, and I'm so privileged and honored to be a part of that team. And, and it's a privilege for me because I, I, didn't, I, I didn't come to be served. I came to serve. Amen. And we're here to serve each and every one of you. Amen. So, and we're so, we're so grateful for that. And so this week as I was speaking to my wife, and we're getting ready um, for this sermon. My wife and I were just having a conversation about everything that has happened this past year, these past two years. And we've talked about, we've talked about the process that God has allowed us to go through. We talked about the different events that have happened in our family life. And as we were speaking, as, as we were just reminiscing, and as we were showing appreciation there was one word that came to my mind throughout that conversation and that word was grace grace God's grace and so today I, I the Lord put in my heart to share with you what grace means and so we use the word so much and so easily but but today I want to go into depth about it and so the theme for today is simply grace before gratitude. Grace before gratitude. And I'm going to expand on that in just a little bit. So if you have your Bible, then open it up with me. If you don't, then follow along with me to Ephesians chapter 2 verses 4 through 10. And it says, but because of his great love for us, God, who is rich in mercy, made us alive with Christ even when we were dead in transgressions. It's by grace you have been saved. And God raised us up with Christ and seated us with him in heavenly realms in Christ Jesus. In order that in the coming ages he might show his incomparable riches of his grace expressed in his kindness to us 
in Christ Jesus. For it is by grace you have been saved through faith. And this is not from yourselves. It is the gift of God. Not by works so that no one can boast. For we are God's handiwork created in Christ Jesus to do good works which God prepared in advance for us to do. Father, thank you for your word. I don't ask you to take control because you're already in control. You're in control of everything that we're doing and everything that we're saying. So, so what I want to say is thank you for what you're doing and what you're about to do, Father. And what I want to ask is that you prepare the hearts and the minds of my brothers and sisters so that they can receive the word that you have for them today. Everyone that has ears to listen, let them listen and receive your word, Father God. And I pray in the name of Jesus, Father, that no one leave this place the way they came in, but that they leave more secured in who you are in them and who they they are in you and I ask you this in Jesus precious name amen 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 and so I find uh, we find ourselves in the time of the year where the words thankfulness and appreciation and gratitude they resound everywhere you go here in the United States we're getting ready to begin to make preparations for the holiday that's centered around the words Thanksgiving and so I asked my wife, uh, I said, my wife who's Dominican, and uh, I said, uh, I said, mi amor, do they celebrate Thanksgiving in the Dominican Republic? And she looked at me and said, no, that's an American thing. So for us, it's just natural that around this time of the year, we just, we just start doing stuff that has to do with thanks. We begin to, to participate in activities that motivate us to practice gratitude and thankfulness. In my job, I work virtually, I work from home. And so in order to, to create a sense of camaraderie, they have us do different activities, right? And one of the activities that they're having us do this month is called Thankful Thursday. And so every Thursday, uh, we, we have a chat where everyone will put something that they are grateful for or that they feel gratitude for. And the idea behind this is, is to focus on the positive things in, in, in regards and instead of the negative things. What's interesting is that for a while now, I've noticed that practicing gratitude has become a very popular idea. And so scientists have completed studies to show the effect of the practice of gratitude on our overall health. And one study completed by the Harvard Medical School um, took three groups. And they gave instructions to each group to keep a journal and the first group they told them for 10 weeks we want you to every week write something that made you feel gratitude the second group they told them every week every week we want you to write something that was negative and the third group you always have to have a control group uh, I know I took you back to high school uh, <laughs> you have a control group and they told them just write the events in a bias, you know, in a, in a, in a non-biased way, just, just write it. Don't write if it made you feel good, if it made you feel bad, just write it. Like a regular journal. And so after the 10 weeks, what the scientists found is that the group that kept the journal with events that made them feel gratitude had a more optimistic view on life. But not only that, they were also healthier. They participated in exercise more and they visited doctors less because they needed to visit them less. And so, and so 
the idea of gratitude sounds very, very powerful, very, uh, very effective. And so the, the issue that I take with this is that, is that we have taken on a perspective that if we simply acknowledge good things in our lives and if we practice gratitude, then we will fulfill our purpose. If we are good people and we maintain our health and we are an example to others by practicing gratitude, then we will maintain our happiness. But the problem with that is that before you can practice gratitude for the good things in your life, there's something that you have to acknowledge what caused the good things in your life first. Before you can practice gratitude, you have to give credit to the reason why the good things are happening in your life. You have to acknowledge what is causing the blessings in your life. You have to acknowledge something that is not affected by your circumstance or your surroundings the way your happiness is. Because happiness is, is, it fluctuates. It goes up and down. But there is something in your life that stays constant. And it is the reason why you receive blessings. It's the reason why you receive favor. It's the reason why doors are open for you. And so before you can show gratitude, there is something that you need to acknowledge that is constant, that was in the beginning of time and it'll be at the end of time and that something is called God's grace because everything that we have everything that we've received everything that we've been able to do it's only been through God's grace I'm standing here before you today not by my own will not by my own strength not by my own knowledge but because of God's grace if I begin to tell you my testimony we'll be up here too long but what I can tell you is that I should have went a different way where I grew up there was many different influences all I heard day and night dimes and trays dimes and trays if you're from the Bronx you know what that means it means it's weed time <laughs> there's a drug dealer somebody around that's all I heard day and night all you had is the gang rivals and night fighting you come from a broken home all this just to tell you that God's grace kept me from going in a different direction and I say it not to boast and I say it not to lift up myself I say it because if he did it for me then he can do it for you if he did it for me then he can do it for your son if he did it for me he can do it for your brother if he did it for me he could do it for your loved one so don't lose faith because God's grace is greater than the situation that you're facing right now and so we have to acknowledge that the good things and everything that we should practice gratitude for come from God's grace. And as followers of Christ, we find ourselves thanking God for his grace every day. Every day I thank God for his grace and his mercy. But today I really want us to give weight and value and honor to the word grace. And so as I, as I was uh, uh, studying and preparing for this sermon... I wanted to really define grace. And so I've, the, the thing about grace when it's used in the Bible, it's used uh, in different forms. And so I'm going to mention a couple forms today. That's, that's the, the beauty of the languages of Greek, Greek and Hebrew. It, 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 one word has multiple meanings. But in the Old Testament, the word grace is represented by chen. No, I, I, I don't have something in my throat. It's chen. Okay? Chen. And chen is Hebrew for a gift given with delight. It's a gift given with delight. It was the favor given to someone who did not deserve it. But the giver didn't do it 
He didn't give with remorse or resentment. The giver gave the gift. He gave the favor with delight. He was happy about it. He was excited about it. He, he, he couldn't wait to do it. The giver was eager to give the gift, eager to give favor, eager to bless the recipient of the gift. And Isaiah chapter 30, verses 18 through 19, it says, listen, yet the Lord longs to be gracious to you. Therefore, he will rise up to show you compassion. The Lord is a God of justice. Blessed are all who wait for him. People of Zion who live in Jerusalem, you will weep no more. How gracious he will be when you cry out for help. As soon, as soon as he hears, he will answer you. So what does that tell me? The heng is something that God is not just sitting down waiting around. He is, in, he is eager. He is waiting. It says he is longing. It says that he cannot wait to bless you. It says that all he is waiting to hear is for you to cry out. All he's doing is waiting for you to call his name. All he's doing is waiting for you to believe. You think that you've got something special you need to do. You think that you need a special talent or a special anointing. But God is saying, no, I'm standing right here waiting for you to call out my name because I want to give you favor because I want to open up the doors because I want to use you because I want to bless you because I want to expand your territory and all you need to do is call out my name because I can't wait to bless you Lord when you look at it like that why don't we cry out to him day and night he is waiting in expectation it says that the Lord longs, he longs to be gracious to you. That's powerful. That is so powerful. So many times we pray to the Lord and we tell him what we long for. And we tell him what we desire. And we tell him what we want. And we don't take the time to ask him what he longs for, what he desires. And so today, real quick, the Lord is telling you, you know what I long for? You know what I desire? To bless you. To renew you. To make you strong. To make you courageous. To bless you more than you can think, ask, or imagine. And so, as I continue to look... Cheng, a gift given with delight, I found another meaning. And the second meaning of grace is found in the New Testament, and it comes from the Greek word kairos, which means a gracious gift. A gracious gift is a gift that cannot be bought. It cannot be worked for, and you can't earn it. In fact, the gift is given to someone who doesn't even really deserve it. Kairos. And, and I say that for a reason because I, wanna, I want us to read Romans chapter 11 verse 6. And it says, and if by grace, then it cannot be based on works. If it were, grace would no longer be grace. What is it saying is that the gift of grace is given to you simply because God wants to. Simply because he is Lord of lords and king of kings and there is no one like him and there will never be anyone like him. And so in his eternity, he has decided that despite what's going on in your life, despite what they've done to you, despite the flaws and the pain, he wants to bless you anyway. You cannot earn it. You cannot buy it. And this concept of an undeserving gift is nothing new. 
a lot of us fall victim to this undeserving gift. You see, what happens is that we, in our walk with Christ, you know, we begin to do things that, that we think are very, you know, godly-like and Christian, you know. We begin to pray. You might begin to, 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 to work in a ministry. You begin to gather with your brothers and sisters and pray. You study his word. But then all of a sudden, something might happen that you mess up somewhere along the way. Or maybe someone does something to you and all of a sudden you feel that you need to hide in a corner somewhere or you need to sit somewhere when no one sees you because while you were doing all that stuff, God was blessing you. God was giving you favor. God was opening doors for you and now you think, no, no, I messed up or they did something to me. I got to hide somewhere. God's not going to do that anymore. But what you need to understand is that he didn't do those things because you started worshiping him, because you started seeking him. That great was already there but what happens is that now you've acknowledged it and now you've received it I want you to do something for me stop breathing for five seconds did the air go away no you just stopped breathing that's God's grace just because you stopped it doesn't mean that the grace disappeared his grace is there but you need to acknowledge it acknowledge it that's God's grace you didn't earn it he just gives it to you This isn't a new issue. This is something that's been going on for hundreds of thousands of years. <laughs> Paul in his ministry had to constantly remind the church that it's not by works, but it's by grace. The Bible tells us that the, 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 the church in Galatians was being confused by false teachers and prophets. They were telling them, listen, in order for you to gain salvation, you need to continue to circumcise yourself. Ouch. Uh, you need to continue this practice. It's the only way to gain God's favor. It's the only way to, to gain salvation. And, and so as a Jew and as a human, it's really easy to be convinced for that. Because this undeserving gift, it just doesn't make sense. Listen, in New York, people are special. They don't trust anybody. And so you can be on a corner trying to give something away for free and like, And so, and so that's the attitude that we take with, with grace. God is just trying to give it to you, but you want to work for it. So the circumcision made sense to the Jews. It's something that they could control. It's an action that they could decide upon. They, they, they can make that decision. If I do this, then I can earn his grace. If I do this, then I can earn his salvation. But Paul is telling them, it is not by your works. The only reason that you can be saved is by the blood of Jesus Christ. You can't earn it. You can't win it. You can't buy it. It's already there. You just need to receive it and so that's what God is telling you today I know what you've been through I know what you're going through I know what you've done I know what they've done to you I know what you've done to them but it's okay because I want to bless you anyway and you think that and you think that that but how could he how could he bless me I'm so messed up <laughs> He yearns to bless you. He is a good, good father. And God wants to use you. And you think that he can't because you're so messed up. But, but there's something that, that, that I want you to know. Listen, it, it's difficult to, 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 once you receive the grace, what happens is we, we mess up a lot. 
And so how do I live in grace? How do I, how do I not disrespect God's grace? How do I not abuse His grace? So here's a, a few points to help us to really understand grace and how to live in grace. And so the first thing you need to understand is this. Is that it's through grace that you receive justification before the presence of God. Say, so what does that mean, Jose? So let's go to Romans chapter 3, verse 24. It says, and all are justified freely by his grace through the redemption that came by Christ Jesus. To be justified means to be taken out of the state of sin and put into the state of justice. Because sin separates us from God. But by his grace you have been justified. And now you can enter his presence. When you understand that this when you understand this, you will do anything possible not to return to the sin that separated you from the presence of God. Because you don't want to abuse the grace. Because you don't want to misuse the grace. Because you want to respect the grace. Because you understand that it is only through that grace that sin was taken from you. You've been justified and now you can be in the presence of the Lord Almighty. So when you understand this and when you acknowledge this, when you recognize this, something else happens. I told you that. The, the, the Greek and Hebrew words have multiple meanings. Kairos means a gracious gift. But it also means to activate an emotion, a feeling of gratitude and thanksgiving. So, so you have to recognize the grace, receive the grace in order to truly practice gratitude, in order to truly practice thanksgiving. So if you're practicing gratitude, it doesn't just mean that you're saying how thankful you are. It means that you are doing something to show God how thankful you are. So now when you receive grace, you activate this gratitude. The sin that had you bound, the sin that kept calling you, now all of a sudden it makes you sick to go back there. Why? Because as you're showing gratitude, you are doing what God has called you to do. Whatever it is that he's put in your heart to do for his glory, for his honor. You're so busy trying to do that. You're so busy trying to make his will be done in your life. You're so busy trying to honor him, trying to glorify him, that you just don't have time for that sin anymore. So if you keep going back to that sin, if you found yourself that the sin still kind of has a hand on you, if you find that it still calls you, then today you need to recognize that God's grace is upon you and it separates you from that sin and it justifies you and now you don't have time for that sin anymore because if you truly receive the gift, if you truly receive his grace, you're going to be too busy doing his work to sin. God acknowledged the grace over your life. The second thing is that you need to declare his grace is sufficient at all times. We cannot allow our insecurities, our shortcomings, our faults, our pain, our brokenness. I know that, that sounds, my brokenness, Jose, I'm broken. We cannot allow that to determine our actions. We must acknowledge that despite me, despite my situation, despite my surroundings, that God's grace is sufficient. 2 Corinthians chapter 12, verse 9, we have the Apostle Paul. And he, he's speaking to the church and he says, but God, he said, but he said to me, my grace is sufficient for you. 
for my power is made perfect in weakness. Therefore, I will boast all the more gladly about my weakness so that Christ's power may rest on me. Three times Paul prayed this for the Lord to remove something that was tormenting him. Three times. I'm telling you, this was not a five-minute prayer. This was not a before I eat, let me ask God, Lord, do you think you can remove this from me? I'm sure that he interceded and prayed and fasted because it was specific three times. Lord, you know, three times I prayed for you to remove this from me. But the Lord said, Paul didn't say, the Lord said, my grace is sufficient for you. Even through your faults, even through your brokenness, even through your weakness, whatever it is you think is holding you back. You say, I've never been to the institute. I don't know how God can use me. I don't know the Bible from front to back. I don't know how God can use me. I don't know the history of the church. I don't know how God can use me. God's saying, my grace is sufficient enough. So listen, go ahead and study. Go ahead and read his word. But what, what you know, God can use that. With your experience, God can use that. Who you are, as unique as you are, what you've been through, what you've heard, what you've, God can use you because his grace is sufficient. And when you understand that his grace is sufficient, then you can say, I'm going to sing a little louder. Then you can say, I'm going to sing a little louder. I'm going to raise a hallelujah. Despite the enemy being in front of me, despite my flaws, despite my weakness, I'm going to sing a little louder. It sometimes it's hard to come in church and, you know, oh, everything sounds so good and you want to sing, oh, I'm going through this, I don't know. If it. No, sing a little louder when you remember that his grace is sufficient for you. We're all a work in progress. And we all have areas that God still needs to develop us. But that's okay. That's okay. Listen, the next point is to live in grace, we must be ready to give grace. We must be ready to give grace. In our daily walk, we find ourselves in situations where people just, <clears throat> it's everywhere. At work, at McDonald's. Even, look, sometimes some of us wake up the wrong way on a Sunday and we come a little bit to church. Mm -hmm. That's why I pray for the ushers and I pray for parking and I pray for me to, because they've got good hearts. Because there's never been a Sunday where they come to me and go, Pastor, I can't stand it. Nope. They love. They give. They go above and beyond. But there's situations in our lives that come up that, that people hurt us. They're disrespectful to us. They attack us. And so it can, we can easily justify a negative reaction towards them. Because in that moment, you can easily be led by anger, by frustration, or even disappointment. You know, kids disappoint you when they do something. You're like, but didn't I tell you? But when you acknowledge God's grace in your life, then you can truly practice what it says in James chapter 1, verse 19 and 20. It says, my dear brothers and sisters, take note of this. Everyone should be quick to listen, slow to speak, and slow to become angry. Why? Because human anger does not produce righteousness that God desires. It just doesn't. It doesn't. I've got a problem with anger. I know I look like a calm guy. I know. But I've spoken to God about this anger. And, 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 I've, and I've studied and I've looked and said, what is the purpose of becoming angry? Because every time I could become angry, I do something stupid. 
But you know what? There is a purpose for anger, but it's not what you think it is. It's not to retaliate. It's not to hurt. It's not to cause harm. When you see an injustice, something inside you should come up and say, I need to do something to make that better. When you see that they, that they are attacking the church with falsehood, there's something inside you to say, no, that's not my church. That's not my God. That, that's what anger is for. I, that's a whole other message. I'll preach that another day. But, but anger does not produce the righteousness that God desires. And so, and so what do we do in situations where, where we find ourselves that, that, that it's easy to react like that? How do I continue to live in grace when I find myself in situations like that? But you read, you read a little further in Ephesians chapter 5, you find that, that we have some instructions there. There's some instructions for you. The first thing that it says is, is he tells us we should submit to one another in reverence for Christ. That's hard. Because when you have to submit to someone that you feel that you're just a little older than, that you're just a little more experienced than, that you, you just got a, a little bit more together than that person. You know what I'm saying? You don't even really truly respect that person too much. But the Bible is telling you, you need to submit to that person, not in reverence for them, not in reverence for yourself. But if you truly follow Christ, if you truly receive this grace, then you will submit in reverence to Christ. That's hard. I know it's hard. But his grace is sufficient. And then he goes on to say, and he says, Wives, you should submit to your husbands and everything. Wait! Before y'all start getting rowdy. He says, Wives, you should submit to their husband in everything. So how can I show my husband grace? So I need to submit to him. Well, it continues to say, that the husband should show love to their wives the way that Jesus Christ showed love to the church. So husband, if your wife hasn't been showing you some grace, have, been you, have you been loving her? Have you been giving her grace? When you come home from work and things are a little messed up, the kids look a little bit rowdy, I don't know, the house is a little messed up, dinner's not ready yet, she didn't get to do what she told you she was going to do. How do you walk in? Do you walk in, you didn't do it again, didn't you say you were going to do that? What's going on over here? Or do you walk in with, baby, it's okay, what can I do to help you out? You probably had a rough day let me see what what let me show you some grace because I know you probably had a rough day too are you loving her the Bible says that we need to make our wives radiant the way the church is radiant before Jesus so are you making her radiant see she'll submit if you show her love that way and wives how can you show your husband some grace you know your man is someone now but he's still yearning to become someone and, and, and he still has plans and dreams and visions. And there's something that he wants to accomplish. And when he shares it with you, you say, but you ain't never done that in your life. That's not grace. That's judgment. But when you say, baby, you've never done it before, but I'm going to support you. Baby, you've never done it before, but I'm going to be there for you. Baby, you've never done it before, but I'm going to pray that you have excellence and success. Because if it blesses you, then it's going to bless me too. Grace. Grace when she upsets you. Grace when he upsets you to listen to what she's got to say before you're ready to mouth off with your response. Grace. Grace. He continues to say, children, obey your parents. 
Children, you need to show your parents grace as well. How, pastor? Because sometimes it continues to say, don't argue. And you, you feel like, but my, my parents just don't understand my perspective. And their perspective doesn't make sense to me. And as a matter of fact, not only do they don't understand my perspective, but they're wrong. Because, you know, sometimes parents make mistakes. You know what? You didn't come with instructions. And so sometimes I make mistakes. But if you can give me some grace, if you can give me some grace, if you can say he messed up, but I'm going to listen to him. I'm going to listen to what he has to say. You know what? Because, because they gave me love. They cared for me when I didn't earn it. They provided for me and I didn't earn it. When I was in Little League and kept striking out, they kept applauding for me even though I sucked at it. It's grace. So, so children that are here, Maybe your mom or your dad did something to hurt you. They hurt you. And you know what? You've got every right to easily justify your anger against them. But if you're sitting here right now, it's through God's grace and he's telling you, you need to give grace. Give grace. Parents. Listen, Ephesians chapter 6 verse 4 says, Fathers, do not exasperate your children. What does that mean, exasperate? It means don't frustrate them. Don't anger them. Don't irritate them. So the kids are going, see, see, I knew it, I knew it. You say, but pastor, I need to bring correction. I need to bring direction. I need to bring the start and the rod. And you know what? We need to direct our children. We need to instruct them. We need to give them some, some, some guidance. But we need to do it with compassion, with love, and with grace. If they mess up, don't be so quick to just yell and scream and ground and say, yeah, I knew you were going to mess up. Because you know what? You've messed up too. Imagine if your son or your daughter is trying to tell you something. If they're trying to tell you something, just take a moment and listen. Because even if it doesn't make sense to you, it makes sense to them. So just listen. Imagine if the heavenly father was listening to your prayer and all of a sudden says, no, 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 no. What you're saying doesn't make any sense. But he just lets you, just lets you speak. He just lets you get it off your chest. He just lets you, just lets you just get it all out. He gives you grace. Give your children grace. Yeah, they messed up. But you know what? We all mess up. Direct them, instruct them, guide them, but do it with compassion, with love, and with grace. Jesus never preached a sermon specifically on grace. That's crazy, right? I looked. He never did. But you know what's crazy? Although he never said, the mountain on the hill, I'm going to preach this on the mountain. Grace says, therefore, no, he didn't say that, but, but his entire life. His entire ministry was based and founded on grace. He came here for one purpose and one purpose only, to give grace. To make grace accessible to you and to me. He healed sinners. He ate with outcasts. He had the power to destroy his accusers, those that were nailing him to the cross. And in that moment, he could have just completely destroyed them. But in that moment, he didn't decide to do that. He didn't become angry. He didn't become frustrated because they just didn't understand. He decided to give them grace and said, Father, forgive them because they don't know what they're doing. He gave his life. So that we can live in grace. And 
although he didn't specifically pre preach on grace, everything he said was, was centered in it. Luke chapter 6 verse 27 says, But to you who are listening, I say, love your enemies. Do good to those who hate you. Bless those who curse you. Pray for those who mistreat you. Not on your own strength, not on your own knowledge, not on your own power, but through the grace that God has given you, through His Holy Spirit, the way He's ministering to you, He's given you power to be able to give grace, to pray for those who hurt you, to pray for those who attack you, to pray for those who speak, who speak lies against you. We're not like the world, we're different different because we live in knowledge receive his grace there's not space for ego in grace there's not space for pride in grace it's just grace and you cannot earn it today ultimate goal of grace is salvation and you have what the world is yearning for this world is in pain it's in anguish this world does not know right from wrong it's just so lost but you have the answer you've got grace